Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Um, I hope you're doing well. I, um, I'll be honest, I, I'm struggling a little bit. Not, I, I just, you know, the unknown is killing me. My, my own state of uh, Washington just announced that we're going to be stuck inside for at least another 31 days and the rest of the month, at the very least, the minimum. Um, and so I, 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 if you're struggling, I get it, man. I'm out. I, I'm here too with you guys. Uh, I want to say first, I am sorry to people on Patreon. I told the people on Patreon that I would record this episode yesterday. And uh, I woke up yesterday and was like, wait, it's my girlfriend's birthday. <laughs> I can't, I probably should spend time with my girlfriend. Uh, she turned 23. Uh, we live together, happy for her. And so we had the day together. Um, and today I'm recording late tonight because I got asked a question on Patreon about a quarterback named Trey Lance. And I, I'll be, I just dug into his film. Trey Lance, quarterback out of North Dakota State. He's awesome. We'll talk about him during Ask Zach. It's a good segment. Um, but I want to start today with a quarterback. There's a quarterback named Sam Howell from the University of North Carolina. And in my opinion, after watching his film, he's the next big thing when it comes to starting quarterbacks in college football and probably a future NFL quarterback. He was a Tar Heel starting quarterback. In fact, he's not a potential NFL quarterback. Sam Howell is a future NFL quarterback. He started last year for North Carolina as a true freshman. He had 38 touchdowns, seven interceptions, really good stat line, but his stats are not what's important. When I watch his film, this dude has NFL habits. He plays like an NFL quarterback. His decision-making was so impressive. I saw multiple times he understood the defense would bring pressure at him. He'd stay calm, find his outlet underneath, steal a bunch of yards. Loved it. He's not afraid to throw the ball away. And he's really great at throwing deep along the sidelines. His deep ball up over the shoulder is phenomenal. And he's got a couple throws, back shoulder fade balls, where I'm like, wow, this dude can throw down along the sideline at an elite NFL level um, against Clemson. Go watch that game. Against Clemson, he was outstanding. UNC lost to Clemson by one point, 21 to 20. And he had a drive at the end of the game to put them in position to win. And the only reason why he lost, UNC went for a two-point conversion to end the game, basically. Sam Howell is a phenomenal, phenomenal quarterback. There were two throws at the end of the game against Clemson where uh, there was a third and three where there's a man in his face who's getting hit, and he steps into it, delivers a strike against man coverage. I went, oh my, this kid can ball. And then later on a fourth and four, he worked all the way across the field. No, no, no. Found his fourth option over the middle of the field. I went, this kid, his ability to process defenses, his understanding of where to go with the ball, his ability to throw, he is a phenomenal, phenomenal quarterback. And the dude can move. He's great at navigating the pocket. Uh, He can step up. He can improvise a little bit. There's a play where it's like third and nine on the red zone. He steps up, moves to the left, finds a open, throws a touchdown over the middle. I went, wow, this guy's really, really good at moving and navigating the pocket. And his arm strength surprised me. I mean, I really surprised and impressed me. I was really, this kid can spin it. He's 6'1", 225, kind of built like Baker Mayfield, throws more like Kyler Murray, the other Oklahoma former quarterback. And uh, there's a throw before halftime against Temple where it's a deep comeback, deep along the sideline. There's, you know, there's two hash marks. He's on the left hash mark, throwing to the right side of the field. So the longest possible the length this throw could have been. And he drives the ball. It's a dart down along the sideline on a comeback. I went, okay, it's, it's really, really good. This kid can throw. He's got phenomenal mechanics. 
And the more I watched Sam Howell, the more I was so, so impressed. Um, he's got one bad habit, but I mean, it's, it's one bad habit a bunch of, uh, amongst a, m- a bunch of other stuff. His one bad habit is that sometimes he'll miss throws low when he's overstriding. Um, he'll, he's like, if he's trying to drive the ball over the middle, he'll overstride. His feet get too far apart. And the ball, you know, he loses power basically with his legs because his feet get so far apart he can't use his legs to drive the ball. And the ball will die. He'll throw it low sometimes. But, I mean, man, if you're a true freshman and you're lighting it up playing the way he played, the fact that Sam Howell's biggest problem is that he overstrided occasionally, I mean, that's a big... This dude is really playing at a high level. He's killing it. I also love he's so calm when there's chaos around him. The play would get broken up. And what I mean is it's a broken play. He's scrambling around trying to make something happen. Say a defender comes free off the edge, he'll make a miss and run around. And he's so, so calm in those moments when he's extending a play. I'll say that Sam Howell is an NFL quarterback. He's already more polished than Justin Herbert, Jacob Eason, and Jordan Love. Two of those guys were drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. All three were just drafted in the 2020 NFL draft. Sam Howell is a big deal. Pay attention to him. If you're looking for the next big quarterback, the next probably first round draft pick quarterback down the road, it might be two years from now, Sam Howell is going to be a big deal. People will talk about Pay attention to Sam Howell out of North Carolina. I do want to say this too. Do not compare Mitchell Trubisky to Sam Howell. That's ridiculous. They only have one thing in common. Trubisky and Sam Howell both played at North Carolina. That's it. Otherwise, they're completely different. They're different mechanics, different head coaches, different coaches all around. Sam Howell started as a true freshman, whereas Mitchell Trubisky only played one year at North Carolina. Sam Howell is way more talented, and he's got way better, way more NFL habits. He's a better quarterback today than I, I, I. It's just not fair. I appreciate people want to compare, like, oh, they went to the same college, this and that. They're different prospects all around, and it's ridiculous to compare Sam Howell to Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky's not the same level quarterback as Sam Howell's going to be in a couple years from now. And the only thing you can compare, they're completely different quarterbacks. The only thing you can talk about in comparison is the fact they went to the same place. If you compare Sam Howell to Mitchell Trubisky, you're doing him a disservice and it's entirely unfair. And it's actually a ridiculous comparison because, again, I know Trubisky went way too high in the NFL draft. He's probably a bust. Sam Howell, I don't think is that way. He's got way more NFL habits, plays better. And I think people are going to. But I'm telling you, when you hear people compare Trubisky to Sam Howell, it's stupid. It's a bad comparison. It just doesn't pencil out. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about the NBA for a minute. The big news from the NBA in the last couple of days is that three top high school recruits have chosen to go to play in the NBA G League rather than go playing in college basketball. Remember, they're playing in the, uh, the G League, which is the NBA Developmental League. They've joined the NBA Pathways program. And... This has been a really big deal in the sports world. I keep seeing headlines like, the NCAA needs to be very, very afraid. And the NBA and NCAA are now competitors. And technically, technically the second statement is true. Technically, the NBA and NCAA are competing for one very specific piece of the pie. And we'll talk about what that means. But it's not as big a deal as people are making it out to be, at least not yet. And people are really overblowing it. College basketball is not in danger. Now, I will say the NCAA, I suppose, could look to a future where, oh, no, we have a problem maybe down the road. 
But I want to clear up, currently, this is not a problem. And currently, today, as things are, the NCAA is not in danger. And it's going to be a while before they are. So three top high school recruits, point guard Deshen Nix, shooting guard Jalen Green, and forward Isaiah Todd, have all decided to pass on college basketball. Uh, Isaiah Todd decommitted from Michigan. Deshen Nix passed on UCLA. And 24-7 Sports has all three ranked and their top 15 high school basketball players in the nation. So here's what's currently happening. If you're one of the best high school basketball players in America, ranked in the top 15, if you're like a, if you're planning to be a one-and-done, meaning you're going to play one year in college basketball, then go to the NBA directly, then you have another option here, meaning that you can go play in the NBA G League. That's the only thing happening here. That small, very tiny, specific group of people has a new option. I don't like the NCAA. I think programs make millions of dollars off of kids in exchange for a tiny degree. I think it's kind of silly. But this news we're just hearing is not going to erase college basketball overnight. It's just not going to happen. The NCAA is not in danger of destruction because of this alone. This is now a new option for the select few best of the best high school basketball players, and that's it. People like Zion Williamson. It's called the NBA Pathways Program. And, for example, here are the details from Jalen Green's deal. He's a number two ranked prospect in the nation, according to 27 Sports. He's getting $500,000. He's getting one-on-one coaching. He's getting a college scholarship paid for by the NBA. And that's what you need. I mean, that's what's happening. He's doing that instead of playing college basketball. And what, what the, really the plan here by the NBA is to put all the top high school players and recruits together on one team and make sort of a super team with all those top guys. And then they're going to travel around, kind of like the Harlem Globetrotters, play on TV and play in places where people can watch. But it's, it's really what the NBA is trying to do is put together a package that's marketable. Here are the best players in the nation. You can watch them. They'll play for a year. They'll develop, get better. Then they'll go to the NBA. The NBA doesn't care about the number 500 recruit in the nation. They care about the top 15. That's it. To be very clear, this is a very, very exclusive thing. The goal is to get all the one-and-done players in the NBA system rather than going to play high school, play college basketball. Excuse me. Um, it's not like suddenly nobody's going to be able to play college basketball. The NCAA, all they lost, the only hit that college basketball is taking is they basically lost their top Really tiny layer of talent. That top 15 guys are not going to play. The best of the best. And even currently, only three of those top 15 guys are even doing it. So still, college basketball is getting 12 of the top 15 guys in the nation. I, I, it's all overblown to me. It's like, what's happening here? Why are people doing all this? Now, here's a really important question. Because, again, why are people overreacting, saying that, Oh, no, college basketball is in danger. It's all going to end. It's silly. It's just not true. Now, here's an important question you need to ask. Why would the top high school basketball players in the nation, why would they want to do this? Why would they want to play in the NBA G League? Ask yourself, you know, Zion Williamson's a very familiar, everybody knows who he is. Why would he rather have gone to play in the G League than play for Duke? Think about it. Yeah, he wouldn't get paid by Duke. Yes, correct. He, he would miss out on, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, and he'd miss out on 
Um, is there anything else? No, not really. The NBA's not really offering it. So he'd miss out on a little bit of money and go to Duke for a year where he's getting great coaching and he gets a big platform. Here's what matters. Zion Williamson is not just a basketball player. Zion Williamson is a brand. His name is a brand. Going to play for Duke gives him a big platform. Going to Duke is the biggest possible platform he had available to him compared to the NBA Pathways program or the G League. If you go play in the G League, there's no guarantee you're going to get a bunch of exposure and your name will get out there. Duke, yeah, so Zion missed out on maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars if he'd taken a deal similar to this. Well, currently, Zion Williamson's rookie contract is worth $44 million. Again, because he was a big deal when he entered the NBA. He got his name out there using Duke as a platform. Currently, the NBA G League is a smaller platform, and I don't know that it's really a better deal for high school players to go play in the G League rather than play for college basketball. I'm not a big fan of college basketball, but Zion playing for Duke helped him. He got his name out there. He became a bigger deal by playing at Duke, having ESPN talk about him a bunch. If the G League can do a similar thing, the G League can become a big platform, then great. If they're not, it's not necessarily better. If a high school basketball player goes to play in the NBA G League rather than play college basketball, you're going to a smaller platform where it's harder to get your name out there. March Madness is a big deal. If you play in March Madness next year, people are going to know your name. They'll know who you are. It's, an, it's a better deal to put your name out there and get your name out on a bigger platform. That's why I don't really understand that. I just don't know that going to play in the G League is actually better for high school recruits. And certainly, college basketball is not in danger. Understand, even if college basketball didn't get the top 10, you know, all top 15 or 20 players in the nation from high school basketball, they're still going to be fine. There are 4,500 college Division I college basketball players. They lose out on 15 of them. Oh, no. They can still field a team. They can still have a gigantic tournament. They're going to be okay. All the NBA really wants is those top 15 one-and-done guys, the guys who are going to go play in college basketball for one year, then immediately leave and go play in the NBA. The NBA wants to help those one-and-done guys. Again, they don't want the number 500 recruit in the nation. That's college basketball's problem. And pretty soon, the one-and-done rule is going to go away. So you'll have two options. If you're a high school basketball player, you'll probably have two options in a couple years from now. You'll either be able to go play in the G League with top talent, or you'll go play with everyone else in college basketball. And maybe it takes you a year or two of college basketball before you're ready for the NBA. If that's true, it's probably better for your NBA career in the end anyway. The NBA is still going to scout college basketball, even with the NBA Pathways program going on. They're going to look for guys who played for three or four years in a program and are developed basketball players ready to enter the league. Again, the NBA is not trying to take all of college basketball's top talent. They don't want it. I just Right now, the only way the NBA and NCAA are competing is for that top talent in the nation. This doesn't ruin college basketball. And if anything, people argue that having one and dones, people say that hurts college basketball. Well, you're likely not going to have any more one and dones. It's a very, very silly thing people keep arguing about. People keep worrying about how, is the NBA Pathways program ruining college basketball? Should college basketball be concerned? No. No, they shouldn't. Currently, college basketball is not in danger of collapse, even a little bit. This might be kind of a messy topic. Uh, It's kind of a messy story. There's been so much media coverage recently 
about Aaron Rodgers. And I got to say, first of all, I honestly feel kind of bad for him. It seems like the Packers made a power move by drafting quarterback Jordan Love in the first round of the NFL draft. And as a result, everything Aaron Rodgers does is going to be picked apart for the next couple of years. It really already was. But even more than before, Aaron Rodgers, every single move he makes is going to be under the microscope more than ever. How he speaks, shirts he wears, the way you know he walks, his tweets, everything's going to be picked apart by the media. Uh, you know, People will be constantly digging into every single thing he does, looking for some kind of intent that may or may not be there. And so I feel sad for Aaron. I honestly do. I'm sad that he's going to have to deal with that. I feel bad for him. But I will say that recently people have been saying that the Packers maybe don't want to deal with Aaron Rodgers anymore. And we've all heard the phrase, where there's smoke, there's fire. And over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of smoke about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, there have been reports that people say his leadership style is a problem. There's been reports about his personality. A lot of people have said to the media things that honestly don't make Aaron Rodgers sound very good. And there's got to be some kind of reason for that. People don't say the same kind of things about Drew Brees and about Tom Brady. Again, there's a reason. I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but let's be honest. Is it really that surprising to hear that maybe the Green Bay Packers are tired of dealing with Aaron Rodgers? Is that really a crazy surprise? There's been smoke for years. Aaron Rodgers had problems with the old Packers head coach, Mike McCarthy. Now, last year, the Packers got a new head coach, Matt LaFleur. And oh boy, I was so excited. I went, ooh, yes. We're finally going to get to watch Aaron Rodgers blow the lid and do phenomenal. Like he is going to dominate and shred the league with a new head coach. I just go watch my videos from August. I was so pumped up to watch Aaron Rodgers last year. I thought maybe we were going to see Aaron Rodgers win the NFL MVP. And the Packers won. They went 13-3. and Did a nice playoff run. They ran the ball really well. They played good defense. And Aaron Rodgers was not exactly in the MVP conversation, but he had a good year. Aaron Rodgers played well last year. All around, the Packers did a good job. Now, people keep saying, Aaron Rodgers has four years left on his contract. What do you, why do people think Aaron Rodgers is going to leave? He's got four years left. People keep saying that to me on the internet. Four years left on his contract, and he's playing well. So what? Brett Favre came out and said he believes Aaron Rodgers is going to finish his career in another uniform. And I tend to agree. I think that's probably the right statement by Brett Favre. I don't necessarily like it, but no matter how you look at it, the clock is ticking for Aaron Rodgers. There's no way he's still going to be a member of the Green Bay Packers four years from now. I just don't think it's possible. And I don't know that Aaron Rodgers should want to stay. Why would you want to stay somewhere you're not wanted? Why would anybody want that? I ask people, have you ever been on a date with somebody that you know you're going to break up with? Have you ever been on that date? You're like, man, I, I can, you can sense it. You can feel it. Like, mm, I'm going to break up with this girl. It's just not working. Or like maybe her, her something happens and you're like, well, maybe I'll wait a week. And you're just, you know, you're there and it wasn't fun. It's kind of awkward. It's quiet. Something feels off. Don't go on that date. If you're on that date, I feel bad for you. By drafting a quarterback, Jordan Love, in the first round of the NFL draft, the Packers made it very, very clear they are looking forward to the future. They don't care that Aaron Rodgers has four years left on, their con- on his contract. They're like, well, we are, we're on a date with someone and we know we're going to break up with them eventually. 
I just don't know why Aaron would want to stay somewhere that he's not wanted. Honestly, I would love to see Aaron pull a Tom Brady. Go somewhere that wants to build around you. The Buccaneers in Tampa Bay have been making a bunch of moves to build around Tom Brady. And I believe Aaron Rodgers would be happier going to a team like the Buccaneers that will build around him, that will make a bunch of moves to help him. You know, you have the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. I don't know that either side is necessarily wrong, but a breakup is coming. And sooner than four years. Aaron Rodgers' contract is up in four years. The breakup's going to happen a lot sooner than that. Okay, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals have released quarterback Andy Dalton. He's 32 years old. He's been in the NFL for nine years, and he was a Bengals starting quarterback for all nine of those years. Now, I don't blame the Bengals for releasing Andy Dalton. It makes sense to me. They saved over $17 million by dropping his contract. So I understand it, but when the Bengals picked Joe Burrow, the quarterback number one overall, my concern was that the Bengals' ownership and management was going to place unnecessarily difficulties on him, make his life a little bit harder. And by releasing Andy Dalton, the Bengals just made Joe Burrow their day one starting quarterback. I don't know that's necessarily the right thing. Maybe it's the right move. Maybe Cincinnati just did a great move. They said, you know what? Year one, Joe Burrow is going to be our starting quarterback. And maybe he'll struggle next year. But hey, he's going to have a bunch of mistakes on film. He'll look at what he did wrong. He'll learn from it by year two. He'll adjust and fix those mistakes and be okay. But now there's no option for Joe Burrow to sit at all. There's no possible scenario where Joe Burrow can sit on the bench and learn behind somebody else. And I don't know that, you know, maybe it's possible that it would have been better for Joe Burrow's development if Andy Dalton had been the starting quarterback in Cincinnati for the first six games of the year. We'll never know. But my point is that now the Bengals have no other options. And again, the Bengals might be right here. I don't want people to think I'm hating on the Bengals. I am not hating on the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm just saying there's now no other option. Joe Burrow has to be the guy day one, week one next year. Now, Joe Burrow has a legendary, a legendary work ethic. He, he prepares like a pro. And so I don't know that Joe Burrow would have wanted to be mentored by Andy Dalton. But I think having a guy go out there and make mistakes. You know, if Joe Burrow was sitting for six weeks behind Andy Dalton, watching Andy Dalton screw up or make throws that Andy, that Joe knows he could make. I mean, if Joe Burrow sat there for six weeks watching film going, Ugh, I can do better. It might have helped him to sit behind Andy Dalton watching those mistakes happen. I think that would have helped Joe Burrow. Not to mention, Joe is 23 years old. He'll be a rookie. And the other Bengals quarterback was going to be Ryan Finley. He's 25. He was a rookie last year. There's no veteran quarterback presence on the Bengals, and I think that might matter just a little bit. I hope it doesn't hurt Joe Burrow. I get why the Bengals got rid of Andy Dalton. It makes sense. He saved $17 million, a little more. I think 17.7 million dollars exactly. Totally get it. I just hope in the end it doesn't hurt Joe Burrow even a little bit. But where's Andy Dalton going to go? Maybe the Patriots. Uh, I don't believe the Patriots want him. New England doesn't want him. It seems like the Patriots are all in on building around Jarrett Stidham, their second-year quarterback. That's, I think, what they're going for, and that's their plan. But the question is, does anybody want Andy Dalton? And how valuable is Andy Dalton? I'll say, I think Andy Dalton 
is more likely to sign with a team than Cam Newton is. Uh, Andy isn't viewed as a guy with a challenging ego at all. And, you know, he is a guy who could have a veteran presence for a young quarterback. He could come off the bench and play and do okay. He's been a starter for years and he has experience as a starting quarterback. He's kind of an ideal backup. So the question is, who could use him? I think three teams could use Andy Dalton. The Jaguars behind Gardner Minshew, the New York Giants behind Daniel Jones, and the Dallas Cowboys, actually, as the backup to Dak Prescott. I wouldn't pay Andy Dalton too much, um, but it's not like he has a ton of options. Like, if you say, here, Andy, here's $2 million, take it or leave it, you're going to be my backup quarterback. If he doesn't want the money, he can just retire. He's not going to have a bunch of options. I would take Andy Dalton $2 million a year as my backup quarterback. It's a great deal. Andy gets to play and be involved in a team, gets $2 million he's not going to have otherwise, and whatever team he goes to is going to have a solid backup who can maybe be a veteran presence behind a young quarterback. Andy Dalton's a perfect backup. That's all he is to me. But I think the three teams I listed are just a couple options. The Jaguars are the team everyone's talking about. It makes sense. But in my mind, Andy Dalton is a solid backup quarterback and maybe best suited to be behind a young quarterback, a guy like Gardner Minshew, Daniel Jones, or Dak Prescott, a guy who's learning and growing and might need a stable backup and help to have a stable backup behind him. All right, guys, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we're going to do Ask Zach. It's my favorite part of the show. And that's all we have. It's a short episode today. Uh, not a ton of news to talk about. Not a ton of stuff going on. Um, but I, I didn't want to waste your time and talk about nonsense. I tried to do the best I could to talk about things that matter and are relevant. And so that's all I have. We'll do Ask Zach when I return, and that'll be it. So my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Uh, it's time for Ask Zach, which is my favorite part of the show, which is where we read questions from the audience. In case you don't know, the way it works is you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You can give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want. Please do. It literally helps pay my rent. It's a big deal. Um, but a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. And then if you submit a question, I do not guarantee to answer and read your question on the show, but I do guarantee to look at every single question with my eyeballs. I pick the top couple and read them on the show. I got a new phone case if anybody's watching. New phone case. Uh, I got rid of the Eastern Washington logo on the back. The first question of the day is, I'm going to answer a question. I'm going to go out of order than what I'd originally planned. It's from Jonas. He says, Sup, Zach. Non-football related question here. How are you doing right now? Keep it up, Big Z. How am I doing? Um, I'm doing okay. I, today has been a hard day, probably the hardest day really in a long, long time for me. Uh, I miss sports a ton. And uh, I, I, the uncertainty is killing me. It's just getting to me. I really am so tired of being quarantined. I'm so tired of... I'm an introvert. Like I, I really would have thought if anybody could handle a global pandemic and handle being stuck in their house and being stuck inside, dude, I got this. I, I am going to nail this easily. I rarely leave. I'm kind of a, a nerdy homebody guy who stays at home. I thought, man, I, I, I'm built for this kind of life. No, I'm not. Um, I think not having the option to go out is killing me. I, I miss my friends. I miss going. I want to go go karting so bad. Uh, I want to go. I can't even go hiking. Everything's shut down where I live. I live in Washington, and I, I just want to say I am so grateful for people on Patreon who support the show. I, you guys are really keeping me afloat. It means a lot to me. Um, I, I just it's been a brutal year, like 2020. I. 
I'm fortunate. At least I get to work, I guess. A lot of people aren't even able to work, and so I shouldn't complain. But it's it's hard. I think even people who you would think would be doing well. I, I thought, man, I could do well being quarantined, stuck in my house. Mm-mm, no way. Um, I, I don't like this at all. And so I can't imagine people. I, I'm sure extroverts are just dying. I'm a really isolated introvert. I like to keep it. I keep my life pretty much to myself. And I, I, I'm struggling. So if I, I know if I'm having a hard time, that people who love to go out, people that love to talk to other people, man, are really, I bet, struggling. And so um, I just hope everybody's doing well. I'm feeling for you out there. If you're struggling, I get it. And I will say, too, I'm, I'm really sad. I wanted to go see A Quiet Place so badly. A Quiet Place, the movie was, A Quiet Place 2, part 2, was like a week away from being released when all this happened. And so now that I don't get to see that, I'm, I'm pretty upset, pretty bummed. It's not cool. It's, I'm not happy about it. And uh, I hope, I just hope everyone's doing well. I, I'm not doing that well. I'm trying to do well. I'm trying to do the best I can and keep working and keep going. Um, but it's certainly, it's been a really hard time for me. And I hope you're doing well as, uh, too. Thomas writes in and says, Hey, Zach, love the vids. And my question is if you were a quarterback in this year's NFL draft, which team would you want to get drafted by? So, Thomas, it matters. Are you t- saying that I'm a. Am I a developmental prospect or am I a franchise quarterback? Because there is a difference there. If I'm a franchise quarterback, if I'm a guy who's going to be the number one guy for a football team, the Dolphins are my number one team I'd want to go to. Uh, The Panthers would be a a second behind them. Uh, The Dolphins are building things. They got a new coach. I'd be their quarterback. They'd have a roster. Um, I I think being part of the Dolphins, what they're building would be really, really fun. The other team I, I would love to be a part of, I love Matt Rule, the coach in Carolina. In Charlotte, North Carolina with the Panthers. Joe Brady's the offensive coordinator. I've got a good culture they're building in Carolina. I like the owner. Um, if I was to be a franchise quarterback, I'd love to be a franchise quarterback right now for either the Carolina Panthers or the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins are my number one team, though. And then if I was a developmental prospect, if I'm a guy who's going to sit on the bench for a, a little while and learn and have to try to grow and become a starting quarterback, um, I'd want to go to the New Orleans Saints. I want to learn behind... Drew Brees, to get coached by Sean Payton, oh my gosh, it's a big deal. Uh, not to mention you have a really good roster, so occasionally, someday, uh, I, it's not occasionally, eventually is the word I'm looking for. If eventually, I become the franchise guy in my city, wherever I go. If I was to go to the Saints and become their franchise guy with the weapons they have, you're set. And so I think New Orleans, if you're a franchise quarterback, I'd want to go to Miami or Carolina. And if I was a developmental prospect who's going to try to learn and get better, in the next couple of years, I'd want to go to the New Orleans Saints. Connor writes in. Connor said, let me find it. Oh, come on. Connor says, hey, Zach, a hypothetical one for you. If you could set up your own NFL franchise, where would you base them and what would you call them? Uh, I did this on Madden all the time. Basically, the way I would do the Madden franchise mode when I was a kid is I would take the Washington Redskins and I'd always move them. I hated Washington. I hated their name. I didn't like, I just wanted to move them. And so I'd make them either the Portland Pilots or my number two thing. The thing I did the most in my life was I'd take the Washington Redskins. I'd move them to New Mexico and make them the New Mexico Red Bulls. And I always imagined that they were a team sponsored by Red Bull, the brand. And I thought, I thought it was kind of fun because it worked You know, Red Bull. Think about it now. Red Bull, the company spends millions of dollars on Formula One. And I love the thought of what if they built, bought a team and made them like the St. Louis Red Bulls. And they're like, ah, we're, we're partially a sponsored name 
We're also just Red Bulls is not a terrible name. Anyways, the St. Louis Red Bulls or the New Mexico Red Bulls. I always liked it. They had cool uniforms, all black with red and gray. Um, I think it not only works as a sponsorship, it's a solid name. So that's what I would do. Um, I, I don't know. I, what, what would I actually do? I have no idea. I'd want to go somewhere. I think St. Louis is where I would move a team, quite honestly. Um, I think they're a, a, a city hungry for football. Uh, I would not. I, I'm from Portland, Oregon. I would not move a team here. I would not, I would not move an NFL team to Portland, Oregon. Uh, I don't know that the city of Portland really cares about football that much. They, they love soccer. It's a weird city. Uh, I, I know. Look, I, I really love. I, I did a radio show uh, in the South, and so I when I, you know, the South cares so much more about football. Portland doesn't. I'm from here, so I live here. But Portland, Oregon, they don't care about football at all. And I don't know that. Not at least not to the extent that other parts of the country do. And there's so many other things to do. I, I still think it's worth it. And it's a smaller population. I wouldn't move a city, a, a football team, to Portland at all. I don't think they want an NFL team. I don't think they deserve an NFL team. And um, it gives other parts of the country that care about football way, way more than Portland. Maybe maybe San Antonio, but I'd want to go somewhere that's hungry for football and a city and an area that culturally cares a lot more about football than where I live. Okay, uh, Robert writes in. Robert says, what rule do you hate most in the NFL? What's the worst rule in the NFL? Uh, I think a lot of people talk about pass interference or I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. There's two to me, though, that I think stand out as the worst rules in the NFL. Number one to me, if I'm running into the end zone and I fumble and the ball goes out of bounds out of the back of the end zone, did you know that apparently suddenly that becomes the other team's ball? It's a rule that when I found out a couple years ago, I went, what? If I'm running and I'm running into the end zone, my end zone about to score, and I drop the ball and it goes out of bounds. You get the ball. Your team gets the ball on the 20-yard line going out the other way. It's a touchback. That's stupid. It actually discourages people for diving towards the end zone, trying to do something flashy and score. The NFL wants moments where people dive for the end zone and make a cool move to try to make it happen. I just you know, Raiders fans remember a couple of years ago. This is how I learned about the rule. A couple of years ago, Derek Carr was diving for the end zone. The ball got knocked out. He fumbled. And the ball went out of bounds, and it became the other team's ball on the 20-yard line, a touchback and loss of possession. I went, what? It's a stupid rule. I just it, You shouldn't take away the ball from the team automatically because they fumbled in the end zone. I get it. Maybe you want to move them back to the 20-yard line. Fine. Don't fumble near the end zone. I get it. But why does it go to the other team? It makes no sense to me. You get all the way to the end zone, you fumble, and they get the ball. I just never liked that rule even a little bit. Uh, now, the other two, the other number two rule I hate is overtime. Overtime in the NFL is so lackluster. Number one, ties should not be possible, and every team should get a fair chance to win. You know, both teams fight all the way to get to overtime. You're like, it's, say it's 2020, you fought hard, you kept the game tied. Reward that effort. Give the, every team an opportunity to win the game. Uh, now, people, some people counter that by saying, well, you had an opportunity. You had four quarters to win the game. You couldn't. I just think that's bad practice. It's really stupid for, you know, you want it. It's a sport. You want sportsmanship to be fair. Um, I, college overtime is way, way better than the NFL overtime. Uh, both teams get the ball at the 25-yard line first and 10. And you keep doing that until somebody wins the game. You know, you score and score and score. And um, 
I love that. I, college overtime, I mean, I go out of my way. If I'm on ESPN's app or the CBS Sports app and I go, oh man, Nevada and New Mexico State, two teams I don't care about at all, they're playing, but <gasps> they're in overtime, I go to the game. Because I don't, I don't care if a team I care about is playing. I love overtime. It's fun. It's interesting. College football overtime is phenomenal. And I really wish that the NFL would adapt the same overtime strategy as them. Okay, Thomas writes in a different Thomas. Thomas says, Thoughts on the Steelers not adding to their quarterback room at all since the end of the season. Seeing Jameis Winston go to the Saints for only $1 million and the Steelers not at least making an offer blows my mind. So Thomas, I want to ask you, if you were going to be a backup quarterback somewhere in the NFL, where would you want to be? Pick any team. You're a backup quarterback. You're not going to play this year. You're taking a year off to learn and grow as a player. Where would you go? Put your money aside. Put ego aside. Where do you want to play? It's easy. The New Orleans Saints. You want to play behind Drew Brees, learn from him, watch him, copy his habits. And you want to be coached by Sean Payton. Learn from the best. Why would anybody, why would Jameis have wanted to pick the Steelers? Are you going to learn from Big Ben? Ben Roethlisberger is not nearly the same quarterback as Drew Brees. And not leadership especially. I've never been a fan of whose leadership is epic and known for being really, really well. Big Ben has stories come out about him all the time where people have, there's, there's tiffing and there's problems behind the scenes with the Big Ben. Um, now, what if the Saints offered $1 million and the Steelers offered you $5 million? You're like, well, hey, the Steelers really want you. They're giving you more money. You wouldn't take it. Why would Jameis take it? Jameis Winston doesn't need more money. He needs to get better as a quarterback. How does Jameis Winston continue his career? He's made a ton of money. He had a gigantic rookie contract. The way Jameis makes more money and gets better as a quarterback is going to New Orleans. Makes total sense to me. Um, I I think that Jameis going to the Saints is perfect. I don't think Jameis would have ever chosen the Steelers if he gave him that opportunity. For him to be in New Orleans, to play his former team twice, to learn from Drew Brees, learn from Sean Payton, it's a perfect fit. Makes total sense to me. Okay, Justin writes in. Justin says, that's a long one. He says, good evening, Zach. Hope you're doing well in these uncertain times. Matt Rule went with the clean slate of defensive players in the draft. Seven picks, seven defensive players. They ranked 31st in the run defense last year, picking Derek Brown and another interior defensive lineman, uh, Bravion Roy, later in the later round, certainly addresses that. That being said, do you think the Panthers are in a full-fledged rebuild? Personally, I think it's more of a one-year retool. Do you have any new thoughts on the new regime in Carolina after their somewhat surprising draft? Um, new thoughts, man. I don't know. I like everything the Panthers are doing. I don't think that they're retooling. I think they are rebuilding. The Panthers have a new coach, a new quarterback, a relatively new owner. The Panthers have hit the complete reset button on their organization as a whole. Uh, when you retool a team, you're adding like, ah, you know, we're going to change an offensive lineman. Maybe get a new tight end, change two little tweaks, and bam, ready to go. The Panthers are not tweaking their team. They are overhauling everything. This is absolutely a total rebuild uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, The Panthers reset everything. And Matt Rule, their head coach, is known for being good at rebuilding teams. The reason why Matt Rule was brought in was because he's good at rebuilding a team. The Panthers are absolutely rebuilding. That's what Matt Rule does best. I think to call it anything else is kind of silly. I know, Justin, no offense, I'm, I like your team, I like to where they're headed, but I think it's pretty clear that the Panthers are, in fact, completely rebuilding. Ryan writes in, says, Zach, I know you're a quarterback guy, 
And I know this is a bit early, but what are your thoughts on North Dakota State's Trey Lance? I've kept up with NDSU since Carson Wentz was there. I wanted the Browns to draft him before that trade down, and he was electric last year. I saw in Bleacher Report's first 2021 mock draft, they actually had Trey Lance going ahead of Justin Fields. What do you think about Trey Lance's upside or talent, and do you think his production is a product of the level of competition he plays? Obviously, some of what he does won't be sustainable with the scrambling, the zero picks, zero turnovers, and low turnovers, and only being sacked 12 times. What are your thoughts on Trey Lance? Um, number one, Justin Fields is not a very good NFL prospect. I'm not shocked at all that he's lower than Trey Lance. Uh, that could change, but right now, Justin Fields does not have NFL habits, and he doesn't throw the ball at an NFL level. Trey Lance, I, I watched Trey Lance's film. Trey Lance is better than Justin Fields. I watched eight games that Trey Lance played last year. And I'll be totally honest, after watching eight games, I can't tell whether or not Trey Lance is going to be a first-round quarterback just yet. I can't tell. Uh, Probably. But he's definitely, Trey Lance is absolutely an NFL quarterback. He plays at North Dakota State. They are Division I AA. Now, Carson Wentz went there, so he was the number two overall pick in the NFL draft. It's pretty clear if a quarterback does well enough at NDSU, the NFL is going to find you and notice you. Uh, now, Trey Lance's film is tough for a couple of complicated reasons. Uh, he plays on a team that is so dominant. They're more dominant than Alabama. Their team is just loaded compared to the people they play against. Uh, and he's playing at a lower level. So Trey Lance is playing against you know, slower you know, defenses with slower players that are less talented. And you just don't see very many throws in a tight window from Trey Lance. It doesn't happen. Uh, really, you don't see any. And I can't predict how NFL teams are going to feel about Trey Lance. I just don't. I can't tell you. Or this is this team going to like him? I, I, I can't tell you what teams are going to feel about him. But I will tell you what I feel about him, man. He's got a beautiful, beautiful deep ball. Uh, like, oh my, it's it's pretty. The watching him wind up and throw the ball downfield, I go, mm-hmm, I love that. And I don't usually love how that looks. Um, the way I do with Trey Lance. Now, I will say it's kind of odd. He's got a great deep ball. I mean, he can flick the ball like a million miles. Uh, But he doesn't drive the ball downfield as well as I'd like. He's got a weaker spiral. um, And he needs to work on his mechanics when he's throwing a 10-yard out or deeper comebacks along the sideline. It's fixable, though. His struggling to throw the ball on a line, you know, driving the ball the way he needs to, it's not a... It's not a thing. It's not a talent issue. It's really a mechanical issue. If Trey Lance can work on his mechanics a little bit, he throws way over the top, bring his arm down a little bit more at a 90-degree angle, he's going to have a lot easier time driving the ball downfield. Uh, he was a redshirt freshman last year. And so the dude has a lot of time to develop and get better. And there are times, I will say, where he could have a better job anticipating throws, throwing earlier as a receiver breaks. He's occasionally a little late. Now, he gets away with it because, again, playing against bad defenses, playing with teams that are players on his own team that are incredible. Um, There are a couple things I love. Number one, Trey Lance had zero interceptions last year. Now, you have to get a little bit lucky, I guess. Anytime you have a year with no interceptions, you're lucky to some degree because, you know, the ball never got tipped up, never got, you know, maybe your own receiver drops the ball and it gets tipped up and intercepted. He had nothing like that. But I, watching film, my question was like, why does Trey Lance have no interceptions? Was he lucky? Are they being dropped? Is he not throwing the ball very much? What's going on? And uh, no, the reason why 
Trey Lance didn't throw any interceptions last year is because he's a really good decision maker. I mean, he really, it's pretty ridiculous how often, I watched eight games he played last year, I never saw a moment where he made a bad decision. I'm like, I'm waiting and waiting, and he made the right call every single time sending the ball to the right player. Um, he makes great decisions. He doesn't get bored with success. He takes an easy throw if the defense gives him one. I literally never saw him. In eight games, he never made a bad decision. I was kind of blown away. That's ridiculous. Now, number one, Trey Lance gets the ball out of his hands so quickly. He never really, he very rarely does throw to a third or fourth option. He's pretty much catch and throw most of the time. Uh, now, there is a play against Nichols State where he worked across the field, number one, not there, number two, not there. He found his third or his fourth option. I, I really like that. So Trey Lance is capable of working through a progression, throwing to a later option. We just don't see it very often. Um, now, he had a great offensive line. Many people criticize, well, Trey Lance plays with a really good football team. His offensive line is unbelievable. Uh, no, I saw, when I was watching Trey Lance, I saw an NFL level of ability to move it in the pocket. It's not like he's a statue standing back there with no bodies around him. He's sliding and stepping up in the pocket. Uh, he moves around like an NFL quarterback. He's really good at extending plays. He's very calm. He's really calm in big moments. He played great in the playoffs. That does matter to me. But Trey Lance is developing. However, he's got a ton, a ton of NFL habits. And so I don't like the fact that Trey Lance does a bunch of designed quarterback runs. Uh, he'll run up the middle a lot. He did, you know, Running between the tackles up the middle, getting hit a bunch. Uh, I fear he might get hurt someday. And NDSU does not need their quarterback doing that. They're, they're dominant so much already. They don't need their quarterback running up the middle between the tackles. Uh, if I were a coach in the NFL, I'd say, hey, NDSU, can you not do that? We like your quarterback, and we don't want to see him get hurt. Um, but I, I can't wait to see the kid grow over time at NDSU. He's a really good quarterback. I love him. Uh, he's a great decision maker. I hope as time goes on, we start to see more NFL-level throws where he's throwing into tighter windows and guys aren't just wide open. Um, but it's always going to be Trey Lance will always have a lower level of NFL level throws because the talent around him is so good and the talent they play against is so not good. Um, but I love Trey Lance. You can tell he works hard. He's liked by his teammates. He's a future NFL quarterback. I don't know yet if he's a first round quarterback. I lean that way. Um, but if he keeps getting better, he already is like an NFL quarterback. And so we'll see where he's at in two years from now. But right now, Trey Lance is a phenomenal quarterback. I appreciate you making you know, wanting me to pay attention to him. I knew the name. I knew who he was. I just never really believed in his stat line. Nope. He's great. He deserves the praise. He's a really good quarterback. He's a future NFL quarterback. The question is, what round is he going to get drafted in down the road first or later? Aiden writes in. Uh, Aiden says, Hey, Zach. Aside from stats being overrated, what's something you wish more people understood about quarterbacks or football in general? Even though he said stats aside, I want to say arm strength. Um, one of the completion percentage first is what I want to talk about. He said stats aside. You got to understand, though, I still want to rant on this because it drives me nuts. Completion percentage does not equate to accuracy. People really judge, oh, he's super accurate. He had a high completion percentage. That's not the way to calculate that at all. But completion percentage does not equate, does not calculate uh, drops, does not calculate throwaways. I understand that there are more in-depth stats like adjusted completion percentage. I don't care. I know accuracy when I see it, and that's how I judge that. The location of the throw, the ball placement, you can see it or not. Um, I don't need or really want the stat to tell me, you know, quote, accuracy. 
Uh, now, arm strength to me is not distance. You got to get over that. People don't understand that about quarterbacks. They're like, oh, he can throw the ball 70 yards. He's got arm strength. No, he can throw the ball really far. Arm strength is the ability to drive the ball into a tight window downfield. People get that confused all the time. Trey Lance is a quarterback at North Dakota State who has a can't he can throw the ball really far, doesn't necessarily drive the ball really well into tight windows downfield, doesn't have the best arm in the planet when it comes to arm strength, even though he can throw the ball really far. There is a difference there. Uh, now, I wish people understood that leadership matters. You know, can you galvanize your p- teammates and the people around you? That's so important as a quarterback, and nobody really seems to value that or give that what it needs. And situations matter. Two ways I want to talk about. Number one, uh, the people around you as a quarterback really are important. Uh, Some quarterbacks elevate the people around them, and some quarterbacks are elevated by the people around them. Some guys really aren't as good as their numbers would show or as uh, their their record winning would show, and some guys are better than their record would show. I think it's important. People just got to understand quarterbacks, while they are a majority of the team, they are a big part of a football team. They're not everything, and quarterbacks still need help. They need people around them. And the better help you have, the easier your job is. Now, number two, here's how another situation matters. How do you play in a high-pressure situation in the fourth quarter in a championship? You want a guy who mentally can handle and and be calm in an important big moment. And so I think that's something underrated. A lot of people don't talk about enough with quarterbacks is – the situation you play in, how you handle a situation is really, really important, and it does, in fact, matter. Okay, the next question is from With Your Eyeballs. He writes in, he says, Hi, Zach, what position besides quarterback do you feel really comfortable breaking down? Uh, I, it's only short. I guess receivers, defensive backs, anybody involved with throwing the ball. I love running backs. I know blocking really well. Uh, I think really, if you know football, you know football. It's not like it's something you. It's not something you forget. Uh, I do know quarterbacks best, but uh, you know, watching film is so time-consuming. If I'm going to spend time doing a film analysis, I want to study quarterbacks, not an offensive lineman, not a defensive lineman, not a linebacker. Uh, but I am confident I could do a film analysis for any position and make it really, really good. Uh, it doesn't mean I want to though. I really like focusing on quarterbacks, and that's who I am and what I want to be. But I, I know football well, and so I'm, I'm pretty confident in doing any position. I just think I know quarterbacks the best and what I like the most. Kenny writes in. Kenny says, Hey, Zach, now that the dust is beginning to settle as the peak of free agency and the draft are over, we can start to ask questions about the future. Let's start with a fun one. Of the eight teams who finished at the bottom of their division last year, which team do you think has the best chance to win their division this year? Thank you, and keep up the great work, Kenny from Cal. Uh, So eight teams last year finished at the bottom of their division in the NFL. The Dolphins, the Bengals, the Jaguars, the Chargers, the Redskins, the Lions, the Panthers, and the Cardinals. And a couple of them are still likely going to be at the bottom of their division. I think the Bengals, the Chargers, the Redskins, and the Panthers are all going to finish fourth in their division next year as well. Uh, The Lions and the Jaguars are probably really close to the bottom They are interestingly competitive a little bit. And the Dolphins are building something. It's still a while before the Dolphins are going to win their division. But they won't be the bottom of the bottom. Now the Cardinals are easily the most likely team to go from last in their division in 2019 to winning their division next year. They got the coach. 
you know, Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray at quarterback, great receivers, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirksey, Andy Isabella, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. They got, they're building their defense. I loved their draft pick. Uh, they got Isaiah Simmons in the draft. He's going to really help with Russell Wilson and George Kittle. He's so athletic. He can cover both of them. And, uh, the Cardinals are going to compete for the NFC West with the 49ers and the Seahawks. But I will predict, I don't think any team, all eight teams I mentioned that finished at the bottom of their division last year, I don't know that any of them are going to win their division next year. I don't think they can. But if any team can go from bottom to top in their division, it will be the Arizona Cardinals. Okay, my last question is from Jeremy. Jeremy writes in, he said this, he gave me, he sent me nine traits. He said, pick three and build a quarterback. He said, number one, Patrick Mahomes' playmaking. Number two, Lamar Jackson's speed. Number three, Josh Allen's arm strength. Number four, Deshaun Watson's agility. Number five, Tom Brady's football IQ. Number six, Philip Rivers' durability. Yeah, it's ability to avoid injuries. Number seven, Drew Brees' leadership. Number eight, Aaron Rodgers' accuracy. And number nine, Russell Wilson's elusiveness. Um, Jeremy, the three I would pick to build a quarterback are leadership from Drew Brees, football IQ from Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers' accuracy. Uh, now, my number four thing I was kind of on the fence on, That's I, and building a quarterback, leadership, IQ, and accuracy are so important. Now, I did consider maybe Phillip Rivers' durability. If I have a quarterback who's going to get injured a ton, then what I would do is swap out. I would get rid of the accuracy from Aaron Rodgers and take... Uh, Philip Rivers' durability, because you can get away with good enough accuracy if your quarterback has Tom Brady's football IQ and always threw to the right player. That's how I would do that. Uh, Jeremy, I hope you like my answer. Again, leadership, IQ, and then accuracy or durability are three and four. Uh, that's how I would answer that question. Guys, my, that's, my name is Zach Shalmo. That's all I have. I don't feel well at all. I'm not sick. I just, ugh, man, I just, bleh, I'm not happy. I'm ready to I want to go outside. I want to go for a hike. I need a haircut really badly. My haircut lady's closed. Um, I'm going to end the show this way. Four years ago, my younger brother died. He took his own life. And I learned two really painful lessons when that happened. Number one, if you're struggling, go get help. If you're struggling, go talk to somebody. Do not suffer in silence, especially now with all this quarantined inside and having a hard time. If you're having a hard time, do not suffer in silence. Go get help. But there's nobody you can talk to. If you can't talk to a teacher or a coach or a parent, parent or a friend, if you have nobody else to turn to, as a last resort, call the suicide hotline 1-800-273-8255, 1-800-273-8255 if you have nobody else you can talk to. And then uh, number two, man, make sure the people in your life know how much you love them. Give them a hug. Uh, make sure the people that you care about know that if they're struggling, they can come talk to you. My brother and I were really close. We worked together, played high school football together, played Halo together all the time. And all our conversations were very, very surface level about girls and movies and sports and video games. And I regret my, not making it clear to my brother that he could talk to me if he was having a hard time. And so I encourage you, if you're struggling, go get help and make sure the people in your life know they can talk to you, know how much you care about them. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I appreciate you. But um bum bam, we are done.